Colossians 3, verse 20. It says this. It says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord. So, uh, you guys are going to be here for like the first point, and I'll, I'll let you guys go back to class and have your snacks and your, and your fun and your, uh, your time together later on, okay? The title of this sermon is A Child's Obedience. A Child's Obedience. And uh, my desire this morning, church, is that your children and that you would obey your parents to please Christ. So that you would obey your parents in order to please Christ. Um, have you ever walked around uh, a neighborhood, maybe? Maybe it's your neighborhood or a neighborhood where you feel safe walking around uh, in the winter and maybe smelled uh, that scent of uh, a, a warm fireplace in somebody's house, you know, that, that, that fire smell coming from somebody's house or fireplace. And, and it just reminds you of, you know, cozying up with a good book or a blanket and, and just uh, warm feelings, right? Or maybe you've, you've uh, walked through a town or driven through your neighborhood and smelled your favorite restaurant, right? The, maybe the, you smelled the, 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 the glory of the McDonald's fries as you drive by. Or maybe you smell somebody, smells like they're baking cookies inside. And, man, I want to go into that house. I don't even know whose house it is, but man, that smells like it, it smells like it'll be a great time in that house pretty soon. Uh, those things can bring such delight, right, to our hearts and uh, make us feel certain things. And, and um, I, I want to ask you a question, though, and, and this is to the children, but especially to you parents. I, I would ask you, uh, what aroma does God smell that is coming from your home? Is it the smell of a sweet sacrifice? of lives offered up to him. And young ones, it, do, does God smell coming up from your house? Does he smell your, your obedience to him? Can he, because he talks about that like a sacrifice and that it's a sweet and uh, soothing aroma to him, that he loves to, 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 to know that his children are obeying him in these homes throughout the world. Is it, a, is it the aroma of the members of your household offering themselves to him in obedience? Is that what God smells? Is it the fragrant aroma of love, of generosity, of truth? Is it the aroma of devotion to Christ? Or... Is it a bad smell? Is it, is it a stench of anger and selfishness and lies and pride? In this passage, our Lord gives us the recipe for creating a home that produces a pleasing aroma to our Lord Jesus Christ. His word tells us that parents are to exercise authority over their children and it is their responsibility to see to it that their child obeys. And so, to help you kids 
and the kids in the rest of our church, but to help, to help our children and you parents live in, a, in the home in such a way that pleases God. We are taught that obedience is to be demanded, developed, and driven. So that, those are our three points, and, and young ones, you'll be here just for that first one. And you can ask mom and dad uh, about the, the rest later, maybe. So the first thing that we want to look at is obedience demanded. Obedience demanded. So we have to define obedience. What does obedience mean? The word here, when it says, children, obey your parents uh, in all things, it, 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 it is the word used for hearing or listening to your parents. But it has this little extra piece to the word where it, 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 it adds the idea of under. So it's, it's this idea of listening under or hearing beneath. The idea is to place yourself under what you hear from your parents. Your, your mom or your dad says to do something and you place yourself underneath that. You take that on. That's what obedience is. So it's a more, it is more than just allowing the parents' commands to register in your ears. It's not enough just to know what mom or dad said. Rather, it is an intentional and submissive hearing. It is the kind of listening where you're really listening to, to, to know, okay, what, what would you like me to do? Please tell me. It is a listening with the plan or intent to, to follow after what is heard. So you listen with a plan to do. The word for obedience is the same word in verse 22 where it says, Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters according to the flesh. It's the same thing. That a, how a slave obeys his master or an employee obeys his employer. It's the same word for a child obeying his parents. Now, this doesn't mean that children are their parents' slaves, right? It's not what that means. Rather, the kind of obedience that is expected in the workplace is expected for children. So three things. It's immediate, it's thorough, and it's without complaint. So an easy way to think about this, and parents, I would, I would exhort you to remember this and to recite this to your children when you remind them of their need to obey. It is right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. Right away all the way, and with a happy heart. Kids, can, can we repeat that? Right away, all the way, with a happy heart. One more time. Right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. Okay. That's obedience. Because, parents, isn't that what we want to do for Christ? A delayed obedience of Christ is disobedience, isn't it? 
uh, a half measure of obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ is disobedience, isn't it? Going through the motions and just doing the deed of obedience without my heart connected to it is disobedience, isn't it? So we should expect the same thing from our children. Obedience in the Christian household is to be right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. So that's what it means when it says, children, obey your parents. You see, obedience is more than just getting the job done because God looks at the heart. This is why in Ephesians 6, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But then it expands. It goes on and says, honor your father and mother. So it's not just doing what mom and dad says. It is having an attitude or a heart towards mom and dad where you respect them, where you honor them, where you don't just you know, clean your room, but, you, but you're, uh, you know, you're messy on the heart, right? Or you, you sit down when mom says sit down, but in your heart you're really standing up. That's not honoring your father and mother. That's not true obedience. Children are to honor their father and mother. They're, that means, parents, your children are called to obey and honor. Obey has to do with action. Honor has to do with attitude. So it's action and attitude, right? If you clean your room with a bad attitude, that's not really obeying. That's not honoring mom and dad. Parents, your children are to give you a high status in their life and in their mind. They must show respect to you, to you as their parents. And that respect, that honor, is often seen in their actions of obedience. But it's, it comes across with a flavor of willing obedience. Happy obedience. So, one, one, a couple more things. Parents don't need to earn your honor, kids. Mom and dad, doesn't matter how they act, they're still mom and dad. And so they don't have to deserve your honor or respect. They don't have to earn that from you. Uh, the, the world outside of the church, they say, you know, I'll respect you if you earn it. Or I'll honor you, I'll do what you say if you deserve it. But that's not what God says. God says your parents are your parents. And if they're your parents, then you honor them, you obey them. That's just what you do. Now the reality is, parents, you ought to be striving to be worthy of honor and respect. Not to earn it from your children, but to be worthy of it. Just as it says in the beginning of Colossians that we walk in a manner worthy of Christ. We're not trying to earn His grace, but we're trying to live up to the standard of grace and the standard of the gospel. So it is with parents. Live up to the standard of honor. At times, parents do act sinfully in their homes only to turn around and demand Respect. Parents, 
You must be striving to be worthy of your child's honor and respect as you strive to please God. See, they're one and the same. They're one and the same. Obey your parents, it says, in all things. You see, the child's primary relationship of obedience ought to be with Jesus Christ. Because it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord. So, when you ask, why do I have to do this? And your parent, mom or dad, says, because I said so. That's true, but an even better reason to obey mom and dad is because that's what pleases God. That's what pleases Jesus. It makes Jesus happy when you obey your parents. Now, does this mean, when it says obey your parents in all things, does that mean just everything? Well, no. So, parents, children... There are two limitations to a child's obedience. One is when a parent commands what God forbids. So if God says, don't steal, and then mom or dad says, go steal that cookie, you can say, uh, no. <laughs> you can say no, because I, I, I can't sin. I don't want to sin against God. Or when a parent forbids what God Commands. So you know how God says to pray and to read the Bible. If mom or dad says, I don't ever want you to pray, I don't ever want to see you reading your Bible, you can say, no, I must pray. I must read the Bible. However, those little acts of disobedience are to be done respectfully and with honor. But outside of that, outside of that, Children are to obey their parents in all areas of life. Now, in the early years, it's simple, right? For most of you young ones, it's, it's pretty simple. Just clean your room, right? Do what mom and dad says. Eat the greens that are on, and the vegetables that are on your plate. Go to bed when I tell you to go to bed. It's simple. But uh, parents, as, a ch- as your child grows, those expectations of obedience don't go away. They just get more complex and more meaningful. So your commands, your direction for your older children will be more along the lines of what to watch, what to listen to, what responsibilities should you be taking on in the home. Uh, and even going into your relationships with a boy or a girl or anything else in life. You, all children, must obey their parents. And parents, one tip, one warning, is that if your child is really to obey you in all things, then please be ready to give commands and have direction and understanding in all things. Do you understand what I'm saying? There might be situations in life 
where a, a child is mistreated at school, what command are you going to give your child? And how can they obey you as they obey Christ in those complex situations? What if uh, you know, they had the toy first, but, but now somebody else wants it? What, what do you do? What biblical principles do you have in mind about generosity and about ownership that will guide your commands and your guidance for your child? You need to be ready to, to give direction in all situations, in all areas of life. You can't just say, well, I don't know, just figure it out, or go ask a pastor, or just slug it out, and whoever wins, that, that person gets the toy. That's not biblical. It's not good enough. You need to have biblical principles that guide your home every step along the way, especially you fathers. You must be in the word daily. And you must, if you're having struggles in this area, read Proverbs every day until your children turn 18. Because what you'll find is it is a letter, it is a book written to, from a father to his son. And in there are all the principles, nearly, nearly all the principles that you, need, that you and your children need for various situations in life. So if your child is required to obey you in all things, then, then my goodness, we need to be ready to have something to say in all things. Okay? So children, you need to go to mom and dad for direction. If you have a question about anything, go to them. Ask them, what does God want me to do in this situation? And you should be confident that they can answer your question when those questions arise. And then if they tell you to go in a certain direction or to do something, then you need to receive that and do what they say. And you need to do it right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. All right? Okay, I'll let you guys go. Thank you for being so well-behaved, guys. You were wonderful. Let's give them a hand. All right, now it's your turn, parents. <laughs> now, if obedience is to be demanded, parents, well, j just as we go to the next point, uh, this command for your child to obey you is from God to your child. Wrap your head around that. God himself is telling your child, obey your parents. So what does that mean? You need to have the same expectation that God does. Don't lower the standard that God has already set. And this, this is a foundational gospel thing. Because if you lower the standard of what God expects of your child, then you give a false representation of the holiness of God and the gravity of righteousness and sin and hell itself. If it's a light thing, if it's no big deal for them to disobey you, you're training your child that it's no big deal for them to disobey God himself. 
And as we're going to see in the next point, if you don't discipline your child for disobedience, you are training them that God is just some grandpa who will just look the other way when they sin and will not deal with them and discipline them and judge them in hell for all eternity. All right. So secondly, obedience is to be developed. It's to be developed. Now, children do not come out of the factory perfect. Parents, uh, I'm, I'm sure you are well aware of this. They don't come out angels, right? They don't come out uh, saints. They come out little, as it's been said, devils in a diaper. Demons in a diaper. They are fallen creatures. No matter how sweet they look and how precious they are, and they are. But don't be fooled. You will have to train them. You will have to develop in them this kind of obedience. It doesn't come automatic. That's where you come in, mom and dad. Just like the skill of an artist or the intelligence of an engineer, so also obedience must be developed over a long time. Now, just in case you've been hearing the lies of the world, and maybe some of us have bought into those lies in some measure, let me read to you a list of some false teaching in the world regarding our children. Children are born good. They're born with a blank slate and and, and innocent when they come to us. They're so innocent. Or, you know, kids will be kids. They're not responsible for their actions. Or children really need self-esteem and self-worth more than anything else. Or, you know, If you want to be a loving parent, what your child needs is for you to give them whatever they want. Or, to have a child grow up and mature well, children need sports and friends and activities. The biblical reality is that all children are born as fallen sinners, inherently bent towards evil. And children are born with foolishness, it says in the Proverbs, entangling their hearts. Foolishness and sin entangles their hearts. Children, the reality is, Your child loves themselves way too much. That's the problem. And children come out already believing their own lies and rejecting the truth. And so all children need parents who will show them their sin. Show them their need for the Savior. They need parents who will hold them accountable for their actions. 
warn them of foolish decisions and teach them the truth and who will be willing to say no to their child as God has, says no to us. Obedience, parents. Obedience must be developed over time. And so be patient with your child. Don't give up. When you told them to do something, and then they did it right there, but then the next time they, it's gone. It's out of the, they don't even remember. Be patient with them. But yet at the same time, hold the standard of obedience up. Dear parents, uh, you, when it comes down to it, you must want what God wants. Again, if God commands your child to obey you, then you are obligated to God to have the same expectation of your child. Remember, you are God's representative authority to your child. A, a, a couple Proverbs. Proverbs 2, 6 says, talking about God, Yahweh gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and discernment. Right? So from, from God comes wisdom and knowledge and discernment. But in Proverbs 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, Hear, O sons, the discipline of a father, and pay attention that you may know understanding. For I, your father, give you sound learning. Do not forsake my instruction. So the same thing in Proverbs 2, verse 6, where it says, God is the source of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. It says in Proverbs 4, the father, the parents, are the source of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. You are God's representative of these things. He works and operates through you. And this is why in Ephesians 6.4 it says that as God's representative authority to bring up your child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's His discipline. It's His instruction. You're just a conduit. You're just a vessel. You're just a messenger. You're an instrument of his discipline and instruction to your child. And so parents, it is your responsibility as a steward of your beloved children to raise them the way that God has prescribed. It's his uh, discipline and instruction, not yours. Do you see? It's his expectations, not yours. It's his rules, not yours. It's his truth, not yours. You're responsible under the, the authority of Christ in your home. And so again, your child is, is called to obey and honor you. Remember, again, obey to obey has to do with action. To honor has to do with attitude. And if God expects both action and attitude, parents, you must expect the same thing. So don't lower God's standard of obedience because you're just too tired after work. Or it's been a long day or a long week. That's not a good enough reason. Uh, 
don't lower God's expectation of obedience if you're, you know, I'm just too busy to enforce them right now. I got so much going on. You need to stop what you're doing and focus on your child. And don't, don't lower God's expectations of your children because it's uncomfortable or unpleasant or it hurts you to discipline them. Your, your feelings have no say in the matter. You must raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so that means, if that's God's standard, then parents, you need to have realistic expectations, right? Don't micromanage in the home. Because then they have to obey before God. They have to obey all of those micromanaging little details. And, you're, and the yoke becomes so unbearable. There's no freedom. There's no uh, ability to, to do things maybe their way, yet in an honoring way of, of obedience. Especially as a child gets older. Don't give unreasonable commands, parents. Uh, a couple examples is, uh, don't ever do that again. Right? Uh, now, you, you can say that. You can, I, I know what we're trying to say. But you can say it a different way, right? Instead of saying, don't ever do that again, or, you know, uh, always do it this way, tell them, next time I want you to try this instead. Or next time this happens, you're in this situation where your sibling takes something from you, next time say this or do that. have realistic expectations because they are required to obey you right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. So make that doable, mom and dad. If you give sweeping commands, they're probably going to fail. And it probably won't take very long. If you give complex commands to a toddler, he's probably going to miss a few details, right? Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 8 to 10, gives us some insight into this. It says, speaking of us as children of God, it says, You were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then it goes on to say that you are trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So even as a child of God, dear saint, you are even now still trying to learn what God wants of you, right? So if God is patiently working with you and uh, 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 patiently uh, uh, helping you and, and, and guiding you and training you in what pleases him, that's your model with your child. For example, I, I once heard a story of, of a man who told his young son to go outside, sweep the back porch. He was just getting on his nerves, and he said, you know what, I, just, just go outside and, and, and clean the back porch. Here's a broom. Handed the broom and 
barked the order and pointed to the back. So some time goes by, and father is, where, where's, where's my son? She goes out into the back porch and finds the child riding the broom like Harry Potter. So, of course, uh, the dad, in his foolishness, explodes with anger, shouting in frustration, Why aren't you sweeping? And the child responds, What's sweeping? He doesn't even know what that is. And so the the parent had an unrealistic expectation that he could just give an order and it's just going to happen. But the child has never done this before. Doesn't know what a sweeping is. Doesn't know what a porch is. And so the father had to realize, oh, I need to stand behind my son and hold the broom as he holds the broom and show him the motion and help him. And then say, okay, you know how to do it. Now go, go do it. Do the rest. Parents, you need to have realistic expectations of your child. Don't don't exasperate them. Don't frustrate them. That's what the next verse, as we're going to look next week, goes on to say. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. And along with having realistic expectations, this, this of course, requires parents. If as you have a father and a mother in the household, this, this requires parents to have unified expectations. Not just realistic expectations, but unified expectations. Mom and dad, you need to have the same expectations when it comes to obedience. What, what does a clean room mean? What does don't spend too much time on your video games mean? What does, uh, you know, uh, a healthy confrontation or a healthy uh, uh, conversation and trying to reach uh, some agreement look like or mean? Do you have the same expectation, expectation of obedience of right away, all the way and with a happy heart? This, of course, requires that mom and dad need to first be good at being husband and wife, right? That's why we, and that's why the Lord addresses wives and husbands first. And then he goes on to children and parents. Because that relationship between wife and husband is foundational to the family. If you don't have a good marriage, you're not going to do good parenting. It's impossible. It will be lacking and lopsided in some way. This is why Jesus says that they are no longer two but one flesh. So healthy and biblical marriages produce good biblical parenting. Likewise, unhealthy marriages produce bad parenting. So parents, you need to be on the same page with things like defining obedience versus just being childish. Where's the line that we draw? What's what's a kid just being 
a, a youthful kid full of energy and what is obedience, disobedience. You need to be on the same page about what are their chores, what's the expectation of their contribution in the home, and what's the reward for their chores, what's their allowance. As your child grows older, what, what's, what is your definition of modesty for your child? What, is, what should dating look like for your child? What about uh, school and play and the balance between school and play? What are, what are the expectations? Do you finish all the homework first? Or do you play and get your wiggles out and then do the homework? Or, or a little bit of both? Or What's the expectation here? Parents, you need to be on the same page. And fathers, men, you need to... You need to initiate those conversations. You need to be the source of those conversations. You need to give biblical guiding principles for these kinds of things. Remember, they are to obey you in all things. So be ready to give direction in all things. Money, clothing, time, leisure, friends. Everything else in between. Now, if the expectation is to obey, what do we do when they don't? Right? That's the question. What do we do when they don't obey? When they disobey? The reality is, the biblical reality is that children need consequences, parents. They need it. Worldly wisdom says that parents must simply allow their child to grow and discover the world unchecked and unhindered. That's ridiculous. The world says that parents should not stifle their child by enforcing rules and regulations, but rather give them freedom to discover things on their own. They say that employing the rod for discipline, spanking, is barbaric, and that parents ought to only appeal to their child's sense of reason. Newsflash, parents. The heart of your child is, is entangled with foolishness. They're not going to reason well. That's why you're there. You're to be the voice of reason. So God says just something very different about Parenting children. Proverb 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not reject the discipline of Yahweh or loathe his reproof. For whom Yahweh loves, he reproves, even as a father reproves the son in whom he delights. Proverbs 13, 18 says that poverty and disgrace come to him who neglects discipline. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 13, 24. He who holds back his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest, and he will give delight to your soul. 
One author tells us, a child's uncontrollable disrespect and his immoral propensity for laziness, lust, and greed is tightly bound up within his very nature. But the father's disciplining rod breaks folly's hold and frees him. And listen to this. Since folly incurs the Lord's curse, this proverb seeks to protect the youth from eternal death by the father's relatively light sting. So if you have difficulty you know, inflicting pain upon your child in discipline, then may I exhort you, the sting that they feel in that moment is nothing compared to the eternal torment that awaits them if you don't do your job. Because how will they know that the wages of sin is death if the wages of their disobedience is nothing. You see the connection? You damn your child to eternal hell if you neglect this, parents. You do. And oh, I, I can imagine there are Countless children. There are countless children in hell right now who have gone, uh, rather adults who were children, who, who, were, who were never disciplined as a child and didn't know the weight of disobedience and weren't convicted with sin and weren't offered the gospel. There are countless people in hell who never experienced that growing up and cry out, oh, if I had a parent who would discipline me. Oh, if I had a father who would, would rebuke me for my sin and point me to Christ as my offering. Oh, don't let that be your child, parent. Their eternity hangs in the balance. And so how do we do this? One practical way is to pattern your discipline after the gospel itself. It's almost a no-brainer, but it's so wonderful that our Lord, as it were, gives a pattern of how to deal with our child because this is the way he dealt with us. So, four things. As you discipline your child for disobedience is remember, remorse, return, and reconcile. Amen. Remember, remorse, return, and reconcile. First, remember. This is modeling itself after the sinner's conviction for sin. And so, parents, you should discipline for sin only. Not because they annoy you, but because they sinned. And usually the main sin is disobedience. 
That means when you go into the other room, and yes, it needs to be private. We'll talk about that in a moment. When you go into the other room to deal with this sin, you need to name the sin. You need to show them in Scripture that what they did is a sin before a holy God. And you need to talk about that fact. They need to understand why this is happening. And that understanding, I know, will grow as a child increases in age. Secondly, after remember, is remorse. That is the conviction of, of the weight and the guilt of sin that every sinner comes face to face with when he is converted, right? And this remorse is uh, parallel to you as a parent spanking your child. Yes, spanking your child. A few things about this when it comes to the actual operation of disciplining a child. You've got to do it with a cool head, right? This cannot be done out of anger, ever. You send them to their room, and if you need to cool off, you do it. You pray, you get in the Word, you ask God, help me, calm down, and not to do this out of anger. Help me to, 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 to aim for their heart, not merely their bottom. Also, as you do this with a cool head, you need to do this with an object and not your hand. Your child should not grow up associating your hand with fear. Do it with an object, a belt or a spoon or anything else. That, but it must sting. And then, and, then, and then briefly, it needs to be immediately, painfully, it needs to be measured, and it needs to be done privately. I know that's a lot. Immediately. It needs to be done immediately, especially when the child is young. And yes, you should be starting this young because people ask, when should this start? As soon as you are able to tell your child, don't eat that cookie or don't touch that. And then they, they look at you while they reach. Right? As soon as they're able to do that. And that's pretty young. Or as soon as you're able to take something that they have and then they just freak out in this ball of rage. Right? If they're able to do that, they're able to obey you in some measure. So, and, and that discipline needs to be done in, in sooner time with the sin. Uh, the younger they are, it needs to be, that time needs to be closer to the, to the event of the sin. If they get older, then they can wait, right? And usually they wait until dad gets home. But if they're young, moms, you might have to just handle it right there and then. But as soon as they're able to wait for dad, then, then do that. It needs to be done painfully as well, right? Uh, it, it, and this, of course, is short of abuse. So there shouldn't be, uh, you know, wounds from this, but it should hurt, because you're trying to impress upon them that they should feel remorse for what they've done. It should be done measured, though, as at the same time. The punishment should fit the crime. So if it's, if it's a light thing, then, then oftentimes the spanking with the rod isn't even necessary. Or if your child has a, a, a meek disposition where if you just 
scold and, and, and with, with love, but, but scold them and tell them that they're, they've done wrong and they, and they weep and they, and they understand the weight of it, the job's done. You don't need to go any further. So don't run to corp, uh, corporal discipline. It needs to be measured and appropriate. And, and then it needs to be done privately. You, you shouldn't shame your child. There's enough shame and remorse and conviction in the act of discipline itself. They don't need shame heaped up on top of that. And then, so we have remember, remorse, and then return. We're not going to finish this this morning. Uh, then return. That is repentance, right? When, when, when a sinner is convicted for sin and feels remorse and the weight of guilt for his sin, what does he do? He turns from his sin, right? And turns to Christ. So it is with a child. Parents, you need to guide them through this, right? Having told them what their sin was, you need to now be able to tell them what they must change in order to avoid future discipline. So whether it's next time when I tell you to do something, you do it right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. Or next time, you know, your, your sibling takes this from you, don't hit them in the nose, right? You either come talk to me, or you say, you just let it go, and you go find another toy to play with. You, you show them where to turn to. Not just to not do it anymore, but what to do instead. And then lastly, reconcile. And this, this is the sweet part of, of the gospel, isn't it? When a sinner has come face to face with his sin and there's deep conviction and remorse for his sin and turns from his sin and turns to God, what a delight that when we turn to the Father, that he is there. That he is not distant. Or that he doesn't turn his back towards us. Oh, be a model for that in your parenting. That is when you've done disciplining them, hug them until they stop crying. And don't leave the room until both of you are able to say, I love you. And mean it. And then, if need be, require them to apologize or make things right with anyone that they have sinned against to promote reconciliation. I need to stop here. I'll give one quote and then I'll end. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the rest of this, that obedience is driven for, with a motivation of, I, I, because... You, parents, you want your child to obey you, not for you, but for their love for Christ, right? That's really what I want. I want my child to obey the Lord more than me. And so our, our parenting needs to be gospel-centered. And there needs to be a positive instruction. So we're going we're gonna to focus next week, uh, fathers, on how do you avoid, as it says here in verse 21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. What does that look like? How do, how do we set them up to, to not hate us? The answer is to instruct them, to give them the word of God, to nourish them, and to wash them in the word, and to point them to our lovely Savior.
So we're going to look at that positive side. Today was more on the, you could say, negative side, you know, the, the requirement to obey and then the consequences for disobedience. And let me end with this. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, raised 17 children and had these words to say about raising children. The parent who studies to to subdue self-will in his child works together with God in the renewing and saving a soul. The parent who indulges it does the devil's work, makes religion impractical, salvation unattainable, and does all that is in him lies to damn his child's soul and body forever. Parents, I, I know that you love your child. God says if, you're, if you love your child, you will have the same expectations of obedience that he does with you. And you will go after his heart, not simply his deeds. And this is because it says that you are to do this as you please the Lord. Parents, do you want your home to be a pleasing aroma to, your, to the Lord? Do you want Him, as it were, to pass by your dwelling place and uh, uh, smell in the aroma of love and harmony and obedience and respect? Then, then raise your child the way God tells you to. And parents, don't give up. Parenting is a daily and often exhausting marathon of your faithfulness. But oh, what a joy it would be to know that coming up from your home is a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And may God save our children, even through our failures and our shortcomings. And we get it wrong a lot, don't we, Mom and Dad? Oh, but God is gracious. And so pray. Stand with me as we pray together. Heavenly Father, I plead with you, save our children. Oh Lord, save the young ones. Lord, they're lost without you. But Lord, you've given us to them to love them and care for them and to guide them to the cross. Oh Lord, help us. When the world tells, it, tells us to, that, that parenting should look a completely different way, help us to be faithful to you, Lord. And give us faith to believe that you made us, you know how we work best. And Lord, give us the fruit of our labors. Save our dear children. Save our grandchildren. Save our nieces and nephews. Oh Lord, raise up from among these children in the nursery and Redeemer's kids and the rest of our children in this church. Raise them up to be the next generation. Lord, make them the next and, and better preachers and elders and deacons and ministry leaders. Make them better than us. 
And Lord, if we can contribute to that in any way, we'll be thankful. And all praise to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.